0: Hi, my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to
1: Bed Crime Stories, Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Hey,
0: Charlie. Hi. 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 Hello. Hello.
1: Hello. Hello. Hi.
0: (laughs) Toby, where's your hello?
1: You know, what's really funny is we did so well with the intro, but then we have no like segue. Hi, blah, blah, blah. We're so professional. Hi! Hi, guys. Hi, we're here now to tell you podcast scary murder stories by sad, sad,
0: thanks, sad. dead, dead, killed. That's the point of a beginning. You don't. You shouldn't have like a direct segue. You go I guess. Hi. Blah blah blah. So now, speaking of that, let's go to our
1: headlights. <laughs> speaking of telling each other the stories that keep us up at night, let's tell each other stories that keep us up at night. Right, like that? Right. Okay. Yeah, that's good. All right. So I, Charlie, am going to kick things off with tonight's true crime
0: headlines. I was waiting yeah. for it. Yes.
1: Yeah, I had to do the big intro music. Okay. So the first story that I'm going to tell you is from E! Online. Ooh. That's a new one for me. I usually don't do E! Online, but I did. Um, switching and it up. Yeah, I know, right? Just switching it up. And this was published on April 13th, 2021. And the headline reads, Kristen Smart's 1996 disappearance, arrest made in connection with the missing college student.
0: I got so excited.
1: Super stoked about this. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Paul Flores, a former classmate of Kristen Smart, was arrested on April 13th, along with his father in connection with the college student's 1996 disappearance. Mm -hmm. So... More than two decades after college student Kristen Smart, jeez, I'm so sorry, Kristen, went missing, uh, there was a long-awaited break in the case. So it seems as though um, this gentleman, this person, Paul Flores, had been a person of interest kind of since the beginning, Mm -hmm. and now there is uh, new evidence, and actually uh, stemming from... Like a spark and interest in the case, thanks to a 2019 podcast called "In Your Own Backyard." So, yay, true crime podcast! Yay, true crime podcast! Helping helping things be relevant again. So we appreciate that.
0: It always reminds me of Have you seen the TikTok where the girls like? Oh my god! If I die, don't tell the cops. Tell
1: two white women who have a podcast. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hashtag true. Yeah. (sighs) All right, all right. So my second true crime headline is from people.com of course Yay,
0: people. and this was
1: also published on april 13th obviously a really cool day for true crime breakthroughs because this headline says delivery driver saw Stephen avery's nephew move Teresa hallback's car into the salvage yard new court filing claims so um a newspaper delivery driver says he saw bobby dassey and an unidentified older man suspiciously pushing that's in uh, quotes there a Toyota RAV4 days after Teresa Hallback's disappearance according to court filings so attorneys for Stephen Avery who of course we all know because of the 2015 Netflix docuseries making a murderer Mm -hmm. um, the attorneys believe that a new witness testimony links Avery's nephew Bobby Dassey to the case so Avery and his other nephew, Brendan Dassey, they're the ones who are currently serving the life sentences. So this is, I believe the brother of Brendan Dassey, who we all saw basically get coerced into a confession on making a murderer. Sorry. That's just one woman's opinion, but actually I think it's most people's opinion. Um, but yeah, so they both maintain that they're innocent. Apparently, uh, Kathleen Zellner, who is the attorney for Stephen Avery, they claim that a newspaper delivery driver named Thomas Sowinski saw Bobby and another man pushing the RAV4 onto the salvage yard. And apparently, like... They came forward, or this was talked about when all of this was going on originally, and the case was happening originally. But basically, cops were like, "Nope, we already know who did it. Don't. It doesn't matter. We don't. It's fine. We already know who did it." So
0: I feel like that happens
1: more often than it should. I feel like that happens more often than we all know it happens. And Uh yes, agreed, way more often than it should. Correct.
0: Honestly, when we had the Seminole, sorry, when we had the Seminole Heights killer correct I I honestly was like is that really the killer or did they just frame someone because oh, no, they wanted it really to be killer. over
1: no that was really killer okay
0: but yes. when it first happened that's, that, that was the thought oh well yeah, yeah because yeah. like everybody was going crazy so uh-huh. I was like I don't I was like is this just like someone that they yeah yeah
1: you know. no he um he went to the McDonald's where he works and he tried to get his manager to stash the gun in a McDonald's bag like somewhere behind the counter and she's like tim <laughs> this guy so yeah it was definitely him but
0: he's the one at all
1: yeah he's he's the one but oh yeah so that's so definitely some breaks and some very interesting and yeah. like uh attention grabbing cases the Kristen so. smart
0: one was very like <laughs> interesting when i saw that pop up i was like what?
1: especially after as long as it's been so i think it's going to be really interesting to see that all unfold oh, smart? no no, Kristen,
0: Kristen smart. smart. Kristen Smart. Oh, that's why you said Kristen Stewart. Got mm-hmm. it. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I know. There's a lot Elizabeth, of smart. Yeah, that got kidnapped. Elizabeth Smart is a, um, a human rights activist.
1: Now. Right. And a okay. kidnap victim. Yeah. And a kidnap survivor. A kidnap survivor.
0: survivor.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. She's a survivor. She's a survivor. She I didn't
0: give up i adore her i follow her on instagram i adore her
1: too yes i adore her the same way that i adore the three survivors from the cleveland kidnappings i love the three of them so deeply Mm -hmm. and i it's very sad what happened to all of them and uh also blonde very similar to elizabeth smart but wasn't kidnapped for as long as elizabeth smart also blonde also mormon also from utah i think fuck jc duggard J.C. Oh. Dugard was her name. J.C. Duggar. Dugger. I was like, D- Duggar. J.C. Dugard. Her is okay. really, really sad, too. Yeah, okay, I
0: heard that one. Yeah,
1: that one's... It actually happened... If, and it honestly might not have happened around the same time as Elizabeth Smart, but I think it was similar enough that there's a lot of parallels between okay. the two. So I always associate Elizabeth Smart with J.C. Dugard. And there's also... And Black Dahlia's last name is Smart, too. Dude, So you know, don't marry you know a man whose last would- name is Smart.
0: You know who I'd like to see movement on though is the Natty Ho- uh Natty Natalie Ho- Natalie Holloway. Natalie Holloway. That is very yeah, interesting. But the I
1: whole thing. Speak. So with Natalie Holloway. With Natalie? I mean, Natalie Holloway is very interesting because they have uh what's his face in custody for that other murder that he mm-hmm. committed. Johan Vandersmoot <laughs> That I remember. Johan van So they have Johan, you can't say it without saying the accent, so I won't say it again, but they have him in custody because of the other murder that he committed, um, which was basically caught on camera because, wow. And the evidence against him is obviously all circumstantial, but is it makes sense that it would have been him. Mm-hmm. I have a strange feeling it's Johan, is it Joran? Joran? Vandersloot is his last name. I do know that. Oh um, I know it's definitely... I, I really think it was him. There was a special on a couple of years ago with Natalie Holloway's dad. And mm-hmm. he went back and forth um, with one of the private investigators down there. And they yeah. found some really interesting... Just like new leads. and it all, But it all kind of went back to Joran. Joran? Joran Vandersloot? Vandersloot.
0: Something like that. It's just uh, sad. Definitely Vandersloot. It's sad when people... Go missing, and
1: I think the sad with no tra- the the missing with no trace is yes. Madeline McCain. Madeline McCain is another one that's like that's fucking sad. Like mm-hmm. I don't understand the vanish without a trace. I mean, obviously I understand. Yeah, I just it's heartbreaking to me that vanish with no answers, vanish with no body, Especially vanish like with no day closure.
0: In yeah yeah I'm Well, like, there's even like, fucking cameras everywhere
1: yeah I mean but that's even like the story I did a while back um, Susan Cox Powell it's like the story I did a while back with Susan Cox Powell where you assume you know what happened I think everybody knows that they know what happened but they never recovered her body yeah. they don't know where she is they're figuring she's in one of those mines somewhere out in by salt lake like they don't know like it and that's the thing that just makes me incredibly sad the the it whole sad. missing without a trace thing is sad enough, and then that that lack of closure on the back end of it. I mean, not that there's ever really closure. Does closure I ever just actually don't... really exist? I don't think it does. So, uh, so yeah, those are my true crime headlines. Um, all right. So, I guess with all that being said, we're gonna pass it on over to Nikki. Nikki. Oh, Nikki, you're so fine. You're so fine. You tell a story, Nikki.
0: Hey, Nikki. <laughs> That's stupid. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> no, good. It. Tell us our bed crime story. <laughs> bed crime story for the week. So. Today, my sources are Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, AP News, Murderpedia, and I watched this TV show on Discovery Plus, and it is called Shattered, and it is so good. So, originally, I started watching... This one episode because it was going to be the story that I was going to do this week. And then all of a sudden it went into this next episode because you know how that happens. And then you just get hooked.
1: You get like in that. Yeah. You sucked into the.
0: So I got like hooked into the story and I was like crying from the beginning, crying Mm -hmm. at the end. It was really sad. And I was like, that's the story I'm doing this week. All right. So I am doing the Santa Claus murders. So Santa Claus is a very small town in Georgia. It has about, I think it's like.
1: Is it bad that when you told me what you were doing, all I pictured was like a guy dressed like Santa Claus getting killed?
0: No, 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 But listen. Okay, good. Listen to this town. Okay. This this town literally. So this town is on my bucket list to go to. So year round at the time, the residents, I think it was about 200 people to 250 people. Currently, it's about like 300. This whole entire town is dedicated to like Christmas. So the names of the streets are like, rudolph or like reindeer candy cane lane yeah there's a candy cane lane of course there is yeah the the where this happened it was on dasher oh yeah but like literally it's like the cutest little town where everybody keeps their christmas decorations up all year round but people like go there during the christmas time to basically get their their letters Posted from from
1: Santa Claus from Santa that's Claus. That's cute, and there well, there's a place in Florida that's Christmas.
0: Really, Christmas Town?
1: No, just Christmas. I oh, think Christmas? It's Christmas, Florida, something like that. Am what? I making that up? No, I think that's true. Is that real life? And it's the same thing where people will go just to get their yeah. Christmas cards post stamp from Christmas. Yeah.
0: Am I wrong? I'm checking. It's that right now. Back, it fact check me, Jovi. It literally is on my bucket list to do because I that's was like, so cute. It's it's like seriously, it's almost like that little town Christmas, in Florida. Where's that? Christmas is a census designated place and an unincorporated area in Orange County, Florida. It is part of the Orlando Kissimmee Metropolitan Statistical oh, yeah. Area. Mm-hmm. The population was 1146 at the 2010
1: census. Wow. wow. I didn't realize. I actually yeah. didn't
0: realize Christmas was so small. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah like it's just it's christmas spirit is so big in all of us i wonder if they if it's like if it's like santa claus maybe yeah i would think so yeah it says it's always christmas in florida town oh so yeah. so you see the whole christmas all year round thing as well see so you don't have to go, go too there. far for a bucket list but santa claus is yeah. really cute too santa claus
1: and at least it gets colder in georgia than it is here it
0: so. does i figured snow yeah snow snow Yeah. So, the story is about the Daniels family, and uh, Kim Daniels became a foster child after seeing her father killed, Um, and she basically lost her own children to uh, state custody while she was a teenager. Um, So, in The Shattered, it is basically her best friend, Rachel. I'm pretty sure it's Rachel. And then it's her daughter, Amber, talking, and then the sheriff that was there the night. um, And it was just very sad. (laughs) It's very sad. (laughs) Um, but, so basically she lost her kids, um, to state custody while she was a teenager. She had, uh, three children. Uh, she basically lived in her car and she was addicted to drugs and alcohol until she met Danny Daniels. So Kim, she was 33 at the time that, uh, she had passed away and Danny was 47. They met at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in 1992 and married. Okay. Their wedding photos is literally like the cutest thing. It's like literally like the wedding photos out of the nineties. How cute. I'm like, oh. I'm going to put them on the Instagram so you can totally see them. So, so cute. Um. So she basically, once they had gotten, like, married and they started, they started their life together, she basically began fighting her problems, got her children packed, and she basically devoted her life to her, like, children and, like, to her church. Okay. So she became very, like, dedicated. Um. So they celebrated their fifth wedding anniversary with their seven children, uh, Danny's daughter, Jessica kim's three daughter um sorry kim's three children amber and then the twins were Brooke and bryant and then they had three foster children at the time so it was amanda Corey, and um uh gabriel so they they would foster children a lot so they i think from the time that they had began fostering until like their death um they had fostered about 15 to 16 kids wow which i think people who foster children are amazing people i couldn't do it I couldn't do it. Like, I actually looked into it today, because I was like, that actually would be kind of interesting. And then I was like, no. Yeah, no. I couldn't. It's not my journey. Mm -mm. But my grandparents did it, and they they fostered a lot of children. They adopted a girl. Like, you know, they they did amazing. I had
1: a friend in high school whose mom fostered kids. Yeah. And, I mean, wound up actually adopting some of the foster kids. And it was a wonderful situation for them. It just, it's not... Not my journey.
0: Yeah. So, but, like, Kim would basically take in the kids that people wouldn't want. Right. Because, like, she had been a foster child herself, so she she wanted to help everybody. Yeah. So she was just very, like, big about taking kids. Dedicated. Yeah. Yeah. So one of uh, the children that she had, basically, they had fostered was Joe Anna. Um, at the time, who was 10 years old. So Joanna had uh, been sent to live with the Daniels family for six weeks to escape a toxic family environment. Okay, Her father and her stepfather were both al- uh, alcoholics, and multiple uh, child protection workers testified that the- her mother, Mary, threatened them with black magic and voodoo. And Yish. like, sh- I literally was listening to... I believe it's Southern fried crime this morning. Uh-huh. And she was basically talking about that. She was like, I'm going to not even say like allegedly, because she says it's in the court documents mm-hmm. that she would like tell, like she would threaten the workers and stuff. Wow. Yeah. So, Yeesh. so when Joanna's brother, 20 year old uh, Jerry Scott Heidler um, came to visit her at the Daniels home, he began to spend a lot of time with their biological teenage daughter, Jessica concerned about the age difference between uh, Jerry and his daughter. She she was just 16 at the time. Uh, Danny had words with the young man. Uh, Jerry stopped coming to their home, but after his uh, but his frustration over the circumstances may have been of the motive for what had hap- uh what he did next. Okay. When you watch the Shattered episode, like I was sobbing because Amber's basically talking about her mom and she was 10 at the time that this had happened and she was basically talking about she's like when people ask about this like she's like they just ask about what happened that night she's like they don't ask about my mother they don't ask about like right right anything yeah so Toombs county district attorney richard malone gave a detailed account of what happened the night of december 4th 1997 during his opening argument so um jerry drank played pool and stole his neighbor's van he drove to the Daniels home, entered through the window. This is why you always lock your doors and you lock your, your windows. Mm-hmm. Please. It doesn't matter how far out you live. There's crazy people in the world. But he entered through the window and went directly to the gun cabinet he knew was in the Daniels bedroom. Ugh. He took a Remington semi-automatic shotgun, loaded it with a buckshot and went to the back door, which he cracked. He then proceeded to smoke a cigarette. He crushed it on the floor. Then he walked into the master bedroom and shot Kim and Danny Daniels as they slept. So Kim died almost immediately. Uh, Danny survived. Uh, Jerry reloaded the weapon and moved to the eight year old um, Brian's room and turned on the light. He shot the boy in his bed. Oh, no. So basically at this time, Jessica jumped from her bed because she could hear everything that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And she ran towards her parents' room, so Jerry basically followed behind her. And as she opened the door to her parents' room, he shot her from behind. No. Mm-hmm. So Danny was still alive at this point, and that's when um, Jerry had realized. And he basically continued to shoot Danny until he was dead. Oh. So then he went to the other end of the house and ushered three of the the girls, eight, nine, and ten, into the van. And he basically he basically woke um from amber's like remembrance of this she basically says he basically woke her up out of like a dead sleep and told her like we have to go like we have to go right now there's someone in the house so because she didn't realize that all this was going on oh my god and then he basically left behind um he left behind cory and and uh gabriel so basically what amber was saying is uh Corey was underneath the the um kitchen table and she's like but why are we leaving them and he's like, oh, it's fine. Your parents have already left. They're going to come back for them. And like, mind you, it's in the middle of the night. These are like three little girls. Right. And they're yeah. getting rushed out of the house. Exactly. They're with a person that they think that they trust. Yeah. Someone they that they know. They do understand the logic of the lack of logic of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jerry traveled about 15 miles to the Alta Mamaha River, where he put Amanda and Brooke in the front and sexually assaulted Amber in the back which amber was 10 so amber stated he threatened to do um do it to the two girls basically the two other girls if she didn't stop crying so she basically said she sucked it up and took it so that they wouldn't have to go through it so she'd like this is like when i was just like sobbing because listening to her tell this through tears is just so
1: fucking thing yeah
0: yeah she like literally said it took her a really long time to realize that she had done nothing to him to make her yeah like do that to her yeah So it was very sad.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But he basically continued to drive until they came to a bridge and he basically made the girls get out of the car. So at that point, he basically like had them lined up on the bridge and like he was pointing the gun at them, but then he took the gun and threw it into the river. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, Amber was saying the things that were going through her mind is like run. Yeah. Because she was like, we're out of the car. Yeah. So basically what they did was she just started yelling at them to run and then Jerry was able... um, He basically grabbed Brooke, which I think Brooke was the youngest of them. I think she was like eight. But he basically told the girls if they didn't come back, he was going to throw Brooke into the river. So they like basically went back to him and um, he made them get back into the van. So he continued to drive uh, until Alma um, and basically he pulled onto a dead end street and made the girls get out. He basically told them to wait five minutes until like he got back. Mm so amber said at that point like once she saw him like driving away she like as soon as his taillights left her view she said that she counted to 65 times really quick just to make sure that he was like gone so basically at this point the girls see a farmhouse and they start to like run towards it okay and she said at that point they had saw lights and they thought that it was him coming back and then all of a sudden she the like the cop lights come on oh god so that it was, it was a cop car. And everything that I read, because there's all these different articles from, like, that time period and, like, the the ages were off or, you know, with them. But I don't understand how, basically, how the cops ended up at the house. Right. Because, like, when I was watching the video... It basically didn't make it seem like they found the girls until the next morning, but then the cops were there. So I was like, I don't know what basically triggered the wellness check to be done. Mm. So, but anyways, um, Tombs County Sheriff's Department Deputy Mike Harlan arrived at the doorstep of the Daniels home on Dasher Lane and Santa Claus. They lived at the end of the street so sad when everything's like I christmas know, themed and i know it's like, everything is like so happy and innocent and then it yeah. is and that's the one thing like he had been on the i think he had only been a deputy for nine months at that point mm. and he said like kind of walking in everything is decorated for christmas and like kim's major thing was is that she wanted everybody to have a great christmas right so she went out like she would start buying presents in like summer mm-hmm. and then she would slowly like start like just packing like because you could see like in the um the police footage the christmas tree was literally just like presents all under it like amber said it was really sad when they had gotten their gifts for christmas because it was marked like love mama and dad like dad mm. so she just was like she said she just cried because she knew who it was like from just um so just basically um what he had said was that when he showed up every single light in the house was on because i they say that for whatever reason jerry had went through the whole house turning all the lights on in the house right um, so basically, he it was like 5:10 in the morning. He said he knocked on the front door, and it was basically slightly ajar, and there was no answer. But through the window on the left, he noticed the arm of a small child in a bunk bed by the window. Mm. So he walked in. He announced that he was there. Um, he heard a baby crying and uh, the radio playing music. He said that he walked towards the room with the child in it, and on the top bunk, he found uh, eight-year-old Bryant. He said, "I have a small boy myself." Um, At that point, it was pretty obvious that the word uh, that words wouldn't help. So Mike said he moved through the home. And basically, there was one point where he was walking towards the kitchen and Corey had jumped up from underneath like the from under the table and he had pulled his gun because he didn't know if someone was still in there. Right. And his dad had basically said that it was like a shock to him that he like didn't shoot because he was just so like you know Mm -hmm. you have someone jumping up and then once he realized it was a small child he was just like so he like continued to hear the baby crying the radio obviously an alarm uh for the early rising postal worker danny daniels continued to play music so you know how like you would set your alarm to like be the the radio radio? Mm -hmm. yeah so that's basically what was happening was like his alarm was going off but the radio was playing in the background So, Mike opened the door to the master bedroom. The first thing he noticed was the gun cabinet with several empty slots where guns had been. Mm. Next, he noticed a body up against the door, preventing him from opening it further. Corey showed him another entrance to the room through a laundry room and a bathroom. So, Mike walked into the sunken bedroom and basically said that he found the baby, like, holding on to the comforter. 10-month-old little baby just, like, holding on, trying to wake up his parents. So... Mm. It said that, uh, between his baby bed and his parents' king-sized bed, hanging onto the sheets. Beneath the sheet, like, uh, Kim and Danny was also on the bed. And a third body, that of Jessica, lay over by the door. Mm. So, police ended up arresting, uh, Jerry at a relative's home near, uh, Alma about seven hours after the bodies were discovered. Um, he was jailed on murder, kidnapping, and burglary charges. So, basically, like, the girls had, like, identified him. Yeah. And, like, this was the other part, too. It said relative's house, and then other articles said his mother's house, so it could have been his mother's house. But it said he was, like, up and under the crawl space trying to hide. Oof. Yeah. This was crazy, because, like, I didn't hear about this, but I had found an article on it, and I was like, holy shit. So on July 6, 1999, um, Jerry, along with nine other prisoners, escaped from the Toombs County, Georgia jail cell. Shit. But he was recaptured about 12 hours later as he was walking along a nearby highway still wearing the red boxer shorts and white t-shirt he had on when he escaped from his cell wow he was picked up near vidalia
1: like the onions
0: and that's where they have the onions is georgia oh vidalia onions that's where they're from shit that's what i said i was like vidalia onions are i don't like really
1: like onions but vidalia onions are really good for like blooming onions
0: i don't like onions
1: I don't like onions there,
0: but yeah. So that Vidalia onions. Um, so he picked up. He was picked up near Vidalia, about six miles from the jail. So basically, after being read his rights, he said he was tired of running.
1: Oh, for you for twelve hours. Yeah. Said Sad. Bob
0: hers a sheriff's a department spokesperson. It was quite obvious he made no attempt to camouflage himself. So um, when he was captured, he he basically someone had called in a tip because they had seen him walking. Um, so basically, at the argument, um Toombs County District Attorney Richard Malone said, what's your worst nightmare? If you're a father, it's someone breaking into your home. If you're a young child, it's being taken away from your home and being molested. If you're an infant, maybe it's being left alone in the house among the dead bodies of your mother and father. Ugh. I mean, you're talking about a 10-month-old. I mean, I feel like they could, like... I don't know if they could remember much at that point. I don't... mm, Okay, so
1: I don't know. I don't know anything really about early child development. Yeah. But... How could that not fuck you up? Yeah. Especially once you you get older and you know that that's what happened to you. Mm -hmm. Like that's early childhood trauma times a million.
0: Yeah. So um, he basically said it's about all these nightmares happening to a good family in a very small town called Santa Claus in South Georgia. He continued almost immediately. Lawyer Kathy Palmer defending uh, Jerry with Michael Garrett got to the heart of her defense with two words.
1: Oh, God. Go ahead
0: mental illness Ugh. she pointed out that jerry at his arraignment a year ago stood mute and he wouldn't plead guilty he wouldn't plead not guilty so the clerk of court automatically put him down for not guilty she acknowledged that what happened to the daniels family was a great tragedy but she yeah you think yeah but she urged jurors to listen to what people had to say about um jerry's mental state I wanted to raise issues of mental illness and put that out there at the outset. I feel like you have something to say. I do. So,
1: I um, I want to say this right. So, while I don't disagree with the fact that you have to have you you have to have some sort of mental illness, mental depravity to commit that series of crimes, right? Mm-hmm. There needs to be something. Your wires need to be disconnected somewhere along the circuit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. But that doesn't mean he didn't know right from wrong. Mm-hmm. The sheer fact that he was hiding proves that he knew what he did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Therefore, your mental illness didn't cause what happened to happen. You chose to do that, mm-hmm. whether or not you had a mental illness you would have had some sort of...
0: I mean, you killed four people and traumatized five children. Correct. Like, Molested a child. Yeah. Yeah, no, We're talking sorry. about all chi- five children under the age of five. or Correct. Sorry, under the age of 10. Correct. That's just insane. It was already clear where defense lawyers are going. Uh, they want a battle to get um, DFAC asset which I believe is, uh, what is it, Department of Family and Child Services. Yeah. uh, To release records on um, the Heidler's family members, including his two sisters, his two brothers, and his mother. Which, this was one of the things that they had basically said was that the mother would basically neglect the children to the point of, like, not feeding them, not taking care of them. Um, And basically, when the children were basically taken away from her, she would have enough money to hire an attorney to get her children back. Wow. So it was just, like, things like that that's insanity yeah well
1: i guess literally that's what they're trying yeah. to yeah
0: so basically what they were saying when um when he was the age of four he had open heart surgery and he was placed in two foster homes because of poor supervision by his mother he had imaginary friends a mouse that he carried around in his hands and sylvia boatwright which i was like was that a real mouse or is that an imaginary mouse because it said imaginary friends but is it a real mouse I'm sure it's a real mouse but okay so here's my problem There's been
1: plenty of people in the foster system. There's been plenty of people Uh who have had imaginary friends. There's probably been plenty of people that have carried around a mouse. I had an imaginary friend. This is really weird. (laughs) No, I had two imaginary friends. They were a married couple. Their names were Thingy and Shingy, and their last name was Liebowitz. So apparently they were a nice Jewish couple, (laughs) and they lived in the tiles in my bathroom, and I would talk to them when I was on the crapper. Thingy and Shingy
0: Leibowitz. Oh <laughs> my, wow. my God! How old oh were you,
1: my nice Jewish friend? <laughs> I, I was, oh God, young, uh seven, six, probably ish. My mom makes fun of me all the time about it. Yeah. Thing, thingy. And- thingy was the husband, yes. and Shingy because she's a she. Yeah. Thingy and Shingy. Thingy <laughs> and Shingy Leibowitz. Oh my God. The Nice Jewish couple who lived in the tiles in my bathroom. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. They were lovely.
1: They were a yeah. lovely couple, Thingy and Chingy. Aw. <laughs> 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 I'm Thanks a lot, i, I like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God.
0: He's like the tile is opening going Hi (laughs) Well no there were little apartments. (laughs) There were like a little apartment that they lived in. Oh Oh, my god. Sorry.
1: No, 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 no! They were like Muppets. They were like Sesame Street Muppet people.
0: Oh uh, yeah! Okay. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. can see that now. He yeah. said, "I'm done with this. Yeah. I'm leaving." I'm oh, oh, say hi to and shinky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, bite me. Uh, You're so mean. Uh, okay, Jovi's mean
1: to me. Sean, Thingy so, and Chingy. Oh, oh, I can't. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> you are gonna start getting Christmas presents. you are gonna get all
0: the and Christmas <laughs> So, um, later when he returned to his mother, he attended a school in Baxley for children with learning disabilities. He mutilated himself by picking at his skin until he bled, testified uh, Marilyn Dryden, his teacher at the time. Okay. Uh, James Marish, a forensic, uh, psychologist from Augustana. I love that. I love that name.
1: Isn't that a country group, Sweet Augustana or something like that?
0: Well, Augustana is like a, like a, I guess it'd be like a pop rock kind of band. They're very mellow. Is that
1: who I'm thinking of? Okay,
0: Maybe. Their name is Augustana, though. Okay. Yeah. But a forensic uh, psychologist from Augustana uh, testified that um, Jerry suffered uh, from a severe case of borderline personality disorder. Mm. He said Jerry had eight of the nine symptoms, including suicide attempts, outbursts of uncontrolled anger and frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined uh, abandonment. Wow. Which that last one, I was like, me, nee, I have abandonment <laughs> issues.
1: you like, hashtag same.
0: Same. So according to the uh, testimony and hearings, Heidler said he remembered the killings as a dream. Hmm. Um, so before the murders, he had uh, briefly lived with the family trying to overcome drug and alcohol problems because... And that's when everything happened where he got really close with Jessica, right? I think so. But like, his mother had said that he was dating Jessica, but like, I don't think that that was never confirmed so uh basically before the murders he had briefly lived with the family while he was trying to overcome drug and alcohol problems okay. and i think it was because kim saw it and she like this was obviously
1: they, in her nature yeah because yeah, she had the foster kids and especially since she had foster kids that tended to have issues yeah. or hard times and Or she
0: right. i mean her herself had gone through that yeah. too um so according to his mother um Pilar uh, Jerry was uh, distraught because of his girlfriend had given birth to a stillborn baby two two days earlier. Okay, So basically Malone summed it up for the jurors. This was a nightmare from which the uh, Danielsons will never wake awake, but it's not your nightmare. Your job is uh, to take the evidence and come up with the truth. It took jurors two hours to deliver the verdict after three days of testimony. Heidler was found guilty in the fatal shootings. So on September 4th, he was sentenced to death for the murders of Bryant, Jessica, Kim, and Danny Daniels. So this was in, I believe, 1999, 2000, and he's still sitting.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: But the part that made me really upset and, like, bawl the most was Amber was basically talking about how She didn't want to believe that her parents were dead. Okay. Because, I mean, she's a small child. Like, she thought her mom basically had almost, like, relapsed, went back, like, couldn't care for them anymore. So she basically begged them to see the photos. Because she wanted basically that proof. And nobody would provide that to her. Yeah. So at the end of this episode, they had asked her, because she had said that to them. Mm -hmm. And they said, do you really want to see these photos? So they did a separate set down with her. And then again, they, like verified with her they were like do you want to see these photos like we don't want you know it's very traumatizing like and she's like no she's like i want to i want to see it and then like literally listening to her like basically say like that's my mom because that's her feet and i have her feet and like just like literally just like sobbing it was the saddest episode like of anything that i'd ever seen i was just like crying the whole fucking episode because it's just so sad it is very sad But Amber now has a child And she's You know Trying to live her best life Mm -hmm. So Wow
1: Yeah that's really sad And I You have such anger Toward Jerry Because Mm -hmm. of what he did Right You have such anger towards him Especially since The crime that he committed Was Seemingly so senseless Like it Mm -hmm. just didn't make any sense Mm -mm. Why Why You know mental health is real (laughs) you know mental health issues is are real yeah um
0: basically asking like danny had basically asked for him to give his family space yeah and then he came back as
1: yeah that's awful that's that's scary that is just like that judge said that is in every scenario any way you slice that in every single person involves worst Mm -hmm. nightmare
0: yeah and then like the one thing that I remember Mike saying, which is the, the sheriff that had... Or the deputy that had went inside, he... Like, after he found the children, he basically took them out to his cop car and put them in the cop car and basically called for backup because he was just like, you can't leave these children inside no. this house. No. Like, yeah. Those poor children. I mean, like, a four-year-old, I feel like a four-year-old would remember all of that. Yes. Like, that poor child probably yes. has, like, major, like, PTSD from that. Yeah,
1: and like I said, even that 10-month-old, even though you probably... The- 10-month-old probably can't visualize what happened and probably can't physically remember what happened. But after 21 years, the kid knows now what happened, where they were, how involved they were, how present they were in that situation. That is going to still be trauma that they carry with them. The
0: family was actually in the process of adopting the three foster children that they were Mm. looking at. And they were going to do it after the beginning of the, the year, like the new year. Wow. And, like, they had just, the, like, that night before all of this had happened, they had celebrated their fifth year anniversary of being married. It's like, so that's sad. just... It's sad. It's just... It's very sad. Very senseless. You affected, I mean, what, seven? No, nine people directly, because you have seven children, two two adults, and then all of their family and friends and everybody else, and, like, the deputy was talking about how he can't look at, like, a Christmas tree the same way. Right. Because you know you go into a house and there's a Christmas tree all set up and you have all these presents under it and it's just like it brings those memories back to you. Yeah, it's sad, but yeah, that, that's that's this week's bed, bed crime story. Shit. Shit. As I as I say sad, I always find the sad ones.
1: Well, I mean, I think in some way all of the stories that we're telling are sad. I mean, yeah. even the stories that we try to add a little levity to are sad. Like when when I did the Dalia Dipolito case or yeah. when you did the Lorena Bobbitt case like all of those cases even when we try to do something Spaghetti that's going to dog. <laughs> yeah. all of those cases even when we try to do something that's a little bit more I don't want to say lighthearted because that I think that that diminishes that I mean it's still a crime at the end of the day mm-hmm. it's still a crime um but I think when we try to do something that's a little bit more maybe well known something a little bit more light something not so heavy not so such a you know yeah. traumatic content at the end of the day it's still sad. It's still yeah. sad. It's still sad that this that this happened to that family. It's sad mm-hmm. that Jerry has a, an illness in his brain that has gone unchecked, undiagnosed, untamed for so long that this ha- this happened. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all sad. It's sad any way you slice it. Like I said last week when we were talking about Chris Benoit, it doesn't make it less it doesn't make it more okay what happened because there was a mental illness or there was degeneration of his brain it still makes what they did wrong and it's still a crime and it's still tragic for that family um but it's it's sad any way you Mm -hmm. slice it it's sad it's awful this is so sad it is it's a sad one but well guys Thank you so much for listening to Bed Crime Stories. We appreciate all of you so much. Be kind to one another. Find us on social media, Bed Crime Stories on Instagram, Bed Crime Stories on Twitter. We are in the process of making and curating a TikTok and putting stuff together out on the TikToks. So um, once that's up and running, we will notify you on Instagram. Please send us an email if you just want to say hey, if you just want to contact us and, you know, Connect and say what's up. Send us uh, pictures
0: of your your fur babies. Send us pictures of your
1: dogs or your kitties. Or
0: if you have a bearded dragon, because I really like those. Make
1: sure that they're you know feline kitties and not other kitties, because you know um, <clears throat> we will decline those emails. Um. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, no. Send us, uh, send us a hello. Send us a message. Say, a, say hi. Send us an idea for a story. Maybe something that you have heard your whole life growing up, and you just want to hear us tell it to the world. Please let us know. Um, say words and
0: Well, if Nikki says it, words are going to be said incorrectly.
1: <laughs> yes. Just learn to accept <laughs> me. Just yes, exactly. We we yes, it is okay. Charlie's
0: very well put together, and I'm here. <laughs>
1: Just trying our best. I'm just doing my best. It's okay.
0: Um, Hope you like it.
1: So as always, remind you that we love you very much and thank you so much for Mm -hmm. listening. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed this week's Bad Crime Stories. We will see you all next week. But until then, sweet Sweet dreams. dreams. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.